Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest bonus episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined by, well, nobody for this episode. As I mentioned, it's a bonus episode. This is my top 25 favorite movies of all time. Now, the way this episode came about was like so. Every time I go on a show or I talk to somebody, they say, Wayne, what's your top five? What's your top 10? What's your top 15? If you're one of those people who's asked me that before, then you know, I only have a top four. I've never really sat down to make a list. I've never really thought about anything beyond my top four. So for the past few days, I've been making a master list, whittling it down, ranking it, and now I have my top 25 movies or my top 25 favorite movies of all time. I'll get into that distinction in just a second. Before we really dive into the show, make sure that you are following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, at Recasted Podcast. We have a Facebook group called All Things Movies that anyone can join. You can interact with us, as well as some other great podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, at Recasted Podcast. That's really the best place. So you can find us there. You can tweet at us. You can retweet us. You can vote on our cast every episode. You can send us a private message on Twitter. That's really where we're the most interactive. Then we have a TikTok page at Recast the Podcast, still kind of getting the wheels turning. They're not even fully turning yet on that, but they will at some point get there. And, of course, Instagram, which is our least interactive, and that would be at Recast the Podcast 8. So that's social media. That's where you can find us. That's where you can interact with us. That's where you can follow us, and you can get updates on our newest episodes, our newest casts. You can give us suggestions. You can give us feedback, good or bad. doesn't matter. I like both. Jesse may not like the negative as much, but I like both, so hit us up with everything you got. Now that that's out of the way, as I mentioned, this is my top 25 favorite movies of all time. Now, I make the distinction of favorite because this is not the top 25 greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. These are movies that I enjoy, so The Godfather will not be on here. I would begrudgingly include it in a top 25 greatest of all time, but I'm not going to include it here in my top 25 favorite because I hated that movie. Stephen Doyle from These Films Are the Juice said he wants to recast that movie with us, but it would mean I have to rewatch the film. And I said basically to him, so in order for me to do something fun with you, I have to be waterboarded first because that's what watching The Godfather would be. That's enough pontificating on that point. Again, top 25 favorite movies of all time. These are really more about rewatchability. That's really where I came up with this list because there's movies that I really enjoy but aren't super rewatchable. For instance, V for Vendetta does not end up on this list. I love it. The first time I saw it, I thought it was an incredibly smart film. I raced out and bought the film. However, it's not a movie I'm going to sit down and rewatch over and over and over again because it's just not that entertaining. You think of movies like Schindler's List or Passion of the Christ, right? These are very, very good, very well-made and very well-acted films. And for all I know, maybe you went and saw one of those movies and loved it. But there's no way you're sitting down with your buddies every week to watch this film or even by yourself. It's just too hard of a film to rewatch. So, again, top 25 favorite rewatchable movies. That's where this is going to come in. So, basically think Desert Island. This is my top 25 Desert Island favorite movies. Let's get started. Number 25, The Mask of Zorro. You're welcome. 
For what? For saving your life. I would have killed him. No, not today. He is trained to kill. You seem trained to drink. Yes, my friend, you would have fought very bravely and died very quickly. You then would avenge your brother. This movie stars Antonio Banderas and Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins plays the original Zorro. He trains Antonio Banderas how to be the new Zorro. Catherine Zeta-Jones is the love interest. She ends up being Anthony Hopkins' daughter. There's a bad guy. There's some Z's carved into walls. There's some Z's carved into necks. So it is Zorro. If you watched Zorro growing up, the black and white, eventually the color version, you're going to probably like this movie. It's fun. It's action-adventure. It's got funny dialogue. It's got some funny moments in the film. Reminds me of The Mummy, in a way, how that's kind of an action-adventure, but it adds a little bit of comedy. So The Mask of Zorro comes in at number 25. Number 24, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Now, as long as you're just hanging there, pay attention. The only rules that really matter are these. What a man can do and what a man can't do. For instance, you can accept that your father was a pirate and a good man, or you can't. The pirate is in your blood, boy, so you'll have to square with that someday. Now, me, for example, I can let you drown. But I can't bring the ship into Tortuga all by me once. He's savvy. So. This movie launched a franchise like very few. You've got Harry Potter. You've got Rocky, maybe Star Wars. There's a handful. But Pirates of the Caribbean, thanks in large part to Johnny Depp's performance as Captain Jack Sparrow, has become humongous. And they just keep pumping him out, making more and more and more. And after his trial's over now, He's going to go back. He's going to be Jack Sparrow again. And he's going to keep doing this movie until he can't act anymore. And who knows how long that's going to be. But this is the movie that kickstarted it all. Orlando Bloom is in it. Kira Knightley is in it. It's a really fun movie. Kind of in the same ilk of Zorro where it's action, it's adventure, it's pirates out in the open water. But we have Johnny Depp who is hilarious as Jack Sparrow. Fantastic and phenomenal in every way. Again, if you like action, you like adventure, you like pirates, you like ocean movies, this is going to be a movie for you. I highly recommend Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. At number 23, Yes Man. Did you just run out of gas? Maybe. That sucks. That happened to me last week. When you were driving ridiculously far out of your way to drop off a homeless guy, wore out your phone battery so you couldn't call AAA? Uh, no. No. I take it that's what happened to you. No. Why would you assume that? Now, Jim Carrey has done a lot of really good movies. This may not be considered one of them. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The Truman Show. Even Liar Liar. But when I think of rewatchability, and I don't know what it is, I can't stop watching this movie over and over and over. It's just so fun and funny, and I enjoy it. I don't know what it is. I really enjoy... Zoe Deschanel, she's his um, love interest. I enjoy that part of it. I think Bradley Cooper's in this as his best friend. So it's kind of a cool movie. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's fun. It's funny. I can keep rewatching it. My favorite is probably his relationship, Jim Carrey's relationship, that is, with his boss, who I don't know the actor's name, but he plays Nigel Billingsley in Jumanji Next Level. And their relationship is fantastic. I love it. And this is a movie that I will continue to watch probably twice a year just because I can't seem to get enough of it. 
At number 22, we do have a drama, The Rainmaker. How do you know when a lawyer is lying? His lips are moving. What's the difference between a hooker and a lawyer? A hooker will stop screwing you after you're dead. Everybody loves lawyer jokes, especially lawyers. They're even sort of proud of it. Why do you suppose that is? Now, I love John Grisham. I love Runaway Jury, The Pelican Brief, The Firm, The Client. If it is a courtroom or a law-related drama and John Grisham wrote it, I like it. Of all the John Grisham films, The Rainmaker is my favorite. We have Rudy Baylor, played by Matt Damon, who goes to work straight out of law school for J. Lyman Stone, a.k.a. Bruiser Stone, played by Mickey Rourke, and he takes on a case where a young man gets leukemia, the insurance company doesn't want to pay for the leukemia treatment, and so the family sues the insurance company, and Rudy, or Matt Damon, handles the case, and it's just great. The courtroom scenes are spot on. I've seen legal analysts say that this is the most realistic courtroom scenes that you're going to get. The acting, we've got Claire Danes, Matt Damon, Mickey Rourke, Danny Glover, John Voight as the antagonist or the attorney for the defense. So really a, a star-studded cast, great performances all around. Danny DeVito is the sidekick for Matt Damon here. I, I recommend if you like movies that are law movies, you like John Grisham, The Rainmaker is my number one rated John Grisham film. At number 21, we get our first and last Marvel film, and that is The Avengers. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. You need to step away. Why shouldn't the guy let off a little steam? You know damn well why. Back off. Oh, I'm starting to want you to make me. Yeah. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that off. What are you? Genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. The first Avengers film was this culmination of these superheroes working together as a team. I remember when it first came out, I didn't love the idea. I thought it was going to be stupid. I was dead wrong. This movie is great. I love the first teamwork interactions here with Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, just all working together. Now, obviously, the ensembles got bigger and bigger and bigger. You could go to Ultron. You could go to Civil War. You can go to, obviously, the end game where they're all working together. And I love all of those movies. But if I'm only going to go to the Desert Island and I can only bring one Marvel movie, it's going to be the first Avengers because I just love this film and I just love seeing them all interact for the first time. And by the way, relationships in general are going to be a very strong theme in my top 25 here. At number 20, My Cousin Vinny. So would you say you got a better shot at them going in and not so much coming out? You could say that. I did say that. Would you say that? Yeah. Is it possible to two youths... Uh, uh, to what? Uh, uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say youths? Yeah, two youths. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. Joe Pesci plays a lot of mafioso-type guys in Casino, in Goodfellas. I think he was in The Irishman, right? So he's in a lot of these films as mafia guy number one or really strong Italian guy like in Raging Bull. He just 
has that persona. But what gets really underrated is Joe Pesci's comedic timing. And My Cousin Vinny is funny in so many different ways. Marissa Tomei got nominated and won the Academy Award for her role in this film. He's hilarious. She's hilarious. The judge who is played by Herman Munster, he is great in how much he dislikes Vinny. And there's so many quotable lines in this film. So many. I can't even start with them right now. I'm not even going to start to get into that can of worms. But My Cousin Vinny is just a hilarious film. I could rewatch it over and over. I would laugh at the same parts over and over. So My Cousin Vinny comes in at number 20. At number 19, we get our first sports movie. And that is the Shia LaBeouf-driven project, The Greatest Game Ever Played. Can't reason with a boy like that. We'll take up a collection for him and pay him handsomely. I understand his family could use it. Don't let him do it, Francis. Don't let him. Hey, 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 hey. Is it true? You know I can't pay you, Eddie. I wouldn't do it for ten bucks. I wouldn't do it for a hundred. You think I would place you? you think... They said you'd want to. Here's what they said. Who cares? This is me and you. We're a team. Okay? They don't get a vote in this. All right. Let's outside. Don't ever talk to my caddy again. Think whatever you want about Shia LaBeouf. When this movie came out, he was absolutely great in this. He had come off of doing the movie Holes. He had done some stuff as a child actor. This is kind of his first real foray into true acting, and it's a movie about Francis We Met. True story, kind of like a biopic-ish type thing. I have a couple of those on here. But he's an amateur who qualifies for the U.S. Open, and he's going up against the current U.S. Open champion, as well as Harry Varden, the stylist, who's considered one of the greatest golfers, if not the greatest golfer of all time, depending on how you rank people. I have Tiger Woods, but again, we'll discuss that another time. The Greatest Game Ever Played is about that U.S. Open and about the challenges that he faced, not only as an amateur, but as a poor amateur. At this time, golf was a gentleman's game, and you had to be rich in order to play the game. And he was a caddy, but he was also a very good golfer. So he gets into the U.S. Open, kind of changes some perceptions, really heartwarming story, and a great ending. I really enjoy it, especially the little you know, story things at the end, what tells you what happened to some of the main characters. So The Greatest Game Ever Played is the first sports movie I have on here, and it comes in at number 19. At number 18, we're going to stick with the sports theme, and we're going with Finding Forrester. Why are socks inside out? Because socks are badly designed. The seams are on the inside, hurt the toes. In some cultures, it's considered good luck to be wearing something inside out. And you believe that? No, but it's like praying. What do you risk? And I do go outside. How do you think those windows get cleaned? In the year 2000, Sean Connery decides to make this movie Finding Forrester about a reclusive former Pulitzer Prize winning author who mentors a young man on his writing, a very promising young man who's also a basketball player. Whether or not this is actually a sports movie could be up for debate, and I wouldn't really die on the hill. But there is a lot of basketball in it. It does kind of center around the fact that he's getting this basketball-type scholarship. But it's all about this relationship. Again, there's that word. This relationship between mentor and mentee, Sean Connery and the young man, Jamal. And his name is William Forrester, Sean Connery. 
And it's just really great movie. Really great. has Anna Paquin in it. So a young Anna Paquin before she has X-Men. And I really enjoy this film. And I watch it probably three or four times a year just because I really enjoy the dialogue. It's great dialogue. At number 17, my first Tom Cruise property, Days of Thunder. Tim tells me you've been running open wheels. That's right. And now you just want to up and drive NASCAR. That's right. What do you know about stock car racing? Well, watch on television, of course. You've seen it on television? ESPN. The coverage is excellent. You'd be surprised at how much you can pick up. I'm sure I would. Look, this may not be the best time for you to run this car. My buddies over at Field of Screens, I think, correctly characterized this film as Top Gun in Cars. It's exactly what it is. It's loud, it's testosterone, it's action, it's Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. I turn this movie way up volume-wise when I'm watching it, just so it sounds like I'm at the track. John C. Riley, Robert Duvall, Carrie Elways, Michael Rooker, who plays the initial antagonist. Really good movie. Nicole Kidman's first film. So you get a lot of stars in this as well, and just fun. It's just a fun movie. I'm not going to lie, the dialogue is crap. It's not great. However. The action is awesome. So if you like Top Gun, because you like getting pumped up, you're going to like this movie. It's very similar in nature. At number 16, we have a kid movie, or kind of a kid movie, directed by Steven Spielberg, The Goonies. Ye intruders beware. Crushing death and grief. Soaked with blood of the trespassing thief. You guys, this map is old news. Everybody and their grandfather went looking for that when our parents were our age. I mean, I mean, haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, what's his name? The pirate guy, One-Eyed Willie. This movie came out in 1985. It has Sean Astin, a very young Sean Astin. We get Thanos, uh, James Brolin, who is the older brother, and Mikey and his older brother, Brand. They're getting evicted because all of this area that they live in called the Goondocks, which is why they're called Goonies, is getting plowed under so they can build a golf course here for the rich folks in the country club. Now, his dad is some sort of a museum curator, so they find this map, they find this old doubloon, and they go searching for this treasure, One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Nobody ever found it. It's millions and millions of dollars in gold and jewels and all kinds of stuff. And to add to the adventure there, they're also being hunted by the Fratellis, this gang who one of them escaped from prison, they're killers. And so they're kind of chasing these kids who are chasing this treasure. Fun adventure movie, 80s comedy, lots of 80s comedy type stuff. I enjoy it. Who doesn't enjoy Goonies? At number 15, Tommy Boy. You know what, Richard? You don't know me as good as you think you do. I care about stuff. I'm getting better at this sales thing. Well, I'm not, but I could if you help me. Forget it. I got enough to do without having to change your diapers. Richard? Is this your coat? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Don't. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. That guy in a little gold. Take it off, dickhead. I'm serious. Richard, what's happening? Oh, oh. 
Chris Farley, I think, is so underrated in terms of his acting. Obviously, we know how funny he is, and he is absolutely funny in this movie. When I first saw Tommy Boy, I remember laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe at least twice. But something about Chris Farley, he has that John Candy, that Robin Williams quality where he has a lot of heart to all of his characters. Like, he's a big, lovable guy. You just want to give him a hug. And in Tommy Boy, him and David Spade are just the perfect pairing between Farley's physical comedy and David Spade's quick wit and sarcasm. And this was actually Lauren Michaels came up with the idea for this film because these two were best friends in real life. And he would see them after Saturday Night Live talking to each other and acting this way. And he said, you guys should make a movie where that's what you do. And so it was very lightly scripted, a lot of improvisation. But again, Spade, Farley, Rob Lowe, Bo Derek, you know, just a really, really good cast. And basically, Farley plays Tommy Callahan. He's got to save his dad's car parts place after his dad passes away. He's got to sell 500,000 brake pads in a certain amount of time. And if he doesn't, he loses the company. He loses his house. He loses everything. So definitely some, you know, a lot at stake for him, but nonstop comedy from start to finish. And again, a lot of heart. There's going to be some parts where you really feel your heart kind of warming your body from watching this film. At number 14, we get another golf movie, Tin Cup. Say, has Molly been around? You know what? Neither her nor me nor the god of golf himself is going to keep you from blowing up in the open. Well, I made it this far, didn't I? Didn't I? Didn't I? All I got to do is hold it together for 72 more holes. A lot of triple bogeys waiting out there to grab your skinny white ass. Are you complaining again? Is that is that what I hear? Are you complaining again? <laughs> You're back, whining, bitching, pissing, moaning. You're back, huh? You're my man. Well, you didn't fall in love with Earl to be your caddy? Oh, Earl, geez, he's a wheezing heart attack waiting to happen. Cost me three strokes aside. Hell, I had to carry the bag the last four holes. Look, I love Earl, okay, but I need you. You don't love me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love you too, goddammit. Well, as much as Earl? I don't know. I mean, when I was with Earl, I was thinking of you. Yes, uh... As much as Earl. More than Earl. More than Earl. Am I special? Well, if you can remove the sexual overtones and add a golf theme, then Romeo, I am your Juliet. Kevin Costner plays a driving range pro named Roy McAvoy, a.k.a. Tim Cup. He is a guy who just goes for it every time. All balls, no brains, go for the green. Uh, I never do that. I play golf and I like to lay up. So I'm more like his adversary, David Sims. And the idea here is that Kevin Costner kind of falls for Rene Russo, who's a psychiatrist, but she's dating David Sims, who's played by Don Johnson. So to impress her, he decides, that's Roy, decides to qualify for the U.S. Open and win it and win her heart. And his caddy is played by Cheech Marin. A lot of funny moments in this film and a lot of really good golf. So if you're a golf fan, uh, aside from the greatest game ever played, Tin Cup, I think is my favorite, maybe even the best golf movie ever made. At number 13, we get The Sandlot. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Butt sniffer. Yeah. Puss licker. Fart smeller. Yeah. 
<laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam. Yeah! You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. Scotty Smalls, new kid in town, kind of moves there with his dad, Bill, who's played by Dennis Leary, and his mom, Karen Allen. And it's at the end of the school year, so he doesn't have enough time to make friends. He's a kind of a nerd, kind of a geek into science and things like that. Not really into sports, but he sees a bunch of kids playing baseball at the baseball field. He goes down there, makes a fool of himself, and one of the kids, this kid, Benny Rodriguez, decides to befriend Smalls, teach him the game a little bit, introduces him to the other guys. Scotty makes some friends. They lose a baseball signed by Babe Ruth, and they have to get it back. But this is all about friendships, building friendships building a relationship with a stepdad. So again, we're into that relationships category, but everybody loves The Sandlot. Again, another wildly quotable film and just a great film altogether. At number 12, we get the first and only Christmas movie on my list. This is Elf. Wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. Now, my old favorite Christmas movie used to be A Christmas Story. I don't know. I, I still love A Christmas Story, but I just think Elf is so much fun. I love the idea that Buddy the Elf, who's played by Will Ferrell, was raised by elves, even though he's a human comes to New York City to find his dad, played by the late, great James Caan. And it's all about him trying to build that father-son relationship. I'm a harp on that word. And in the meantime, he's still trying to hold on to his Christmas spirit, because that's what makes him so cheery and, and happy all the time. Uh, he gets a fake job at the store where he's decorating things, and he's just really funny. It's Will Ferrell at his best. Think what you want about Will Ferrell. A lot of people don't like him, but this movie, I think he really stands out, does a great job. At number 11, we get The Intern. So here I am, applying to be one of your interns, because the more I think about this idea, the more tremendous I think it is. I love the idea of having a place I can go every day. I want the connection, the excitement. I want to be challenged, and I guess I might even want to be needed. The tech stuff might take a bit to figure out. I had to call my nine-year-old grandson just to find out what a USB connector was. But I'll get there, eager to learn. Also, I want you to know I've been a company man all my life. I'm loyal, I'm trustworthy, and I'm good in a crisis. And I love that you're right here in Brooklyn. I've lived here all my life, and lately I feel I may not be hip enough to live in Brooklyn. So this could help with that too. I read once musicians don't retire. They stop when there's no more music in them. Well, I still have music in me. Absolutely positive about that. Now, a lot of people haven't seen this movie because it looks like a romantic comedy, and it does have some elements of romantic comedy in it, but it's not a romantic comedy. So The Intern is about Robert De Niro 
is a widower, and he goes to get a position as an intern at this clothing company where all these 20-year-olds work, and he's the intern for the boss. And it's this movie, when I talk about relationships, this is the pinnacle of relationship movies. This is all about relationships between boss and employee. It's about husband and wife. It's about boyfriend and girlfriend. It's about friends and their friends. Nothing but relationships in this film. And it's done to an absolute perfect perfection. I don't even know what other word to describe it. It is a perfect film about relationships. So if you're like me and you like heartwarming films, you can't watch this movie and not come away feeling good about yourself. And a lot of people haven't watched this movie. If you're one of them, go watch The Intern. It will really make you feel good about yourself. I promise you. We are into the top 10 now. And we're kicking off with number 10, another sports movie, a boxing movie. No, it's not Rocky. It is Cinderella Man. The thing is, I can't afford to, uh, I can't afford to pay the heat. I've had to farm out my kids. You know, to keep cutting shifts down at the docks, and you just don't get picked every day. Sold everything I got that anybody would buy. I went on public assistance. I signed on at the relief office. They gave me $19. I need another $18.38 so I can pay the bill and get the kids back. You know me well enough to know if I had anywhere else to go, I wouldn't be here. If you could help me through this time, I sure would be grateful. I don't know why I picked this movie over Rocky, but Cinderella Man is another one of those movies I can watch four to five times a year. We've got Russell Crowe portraying James Braddock, who was a heavyweight champion, gets hurt, the depression hits, he's scrambling for money to try to keep his family together, gets one more last fight from his manager, played by Paul Giamatti, who plays that role great, but what role doesn't Paul Giamatti play great? He wins that fight. He's not supposed to. So his manager gets him another fight, and then another fight. And by the end of the film, he's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. And it's just a really good feel good, excuse me, a really good feel good story. That's a tongue twister. And it's a true story. This is a true story about James J. Braddock. And again, it's another movie you watch and you just feel good at the end of it. Those are the kinds of movies I'm taking with me on a desert island. If I'm stranded forever, I want to feel good when I watch a movie. I don't want to be reminded that I'm stranded on a desert island. It would not be a top 10. It would not be a top 25 list if I didn't have Robin Williams on here. Now, what movie did I pick at number nine that stars Robin Williams? Jumanji. Call me back 10 minutes before the hour. While we're waiting. Whoa! God! Sir, sir. No, no, no! Oh, no! Sir! No, sir! No, sir. Alan, come on, I have been over 2,000 hours in therapy convincing myself that See what happened to you was so awful. I made up this. Sir, 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 it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. It really was. Real. Real. No, no, no. It wasn't real, Alan. Your father murdered you and he chopped you up into little pieces. Sarah, come on. My dad did that. My father could barely hug me, let alone cut me into little pieces. 26 years ago. We started playing a little game. And now, we're all going to sit down and we're going to finish it. I know that he's done better movies. He's done a lot of better movies. Dead Poet Society is a much better movie. Goodwill Hunting is a much better movie. 
but I'm not going to feel good watching those movies. They're not fun. They're not super funny. Jumanji is a box of fun. I can hear those drums. It is fun personified on the screen. I love Jumanji. Alan, uh, I don't know if I should give the plots. If you haven't seen Jumanji, I don't even know what to tell you. Go see Jumanji. I'm not going to tell you the plot. It's number nine on my list. Go see Jumanji. At number eight, romantic comedies. Boy, do I love relationships, and I love romantic relationships. And at number eight, I have Definitely Maybe. My freedom, my joie de vivre for an institution that fails as often as it succeeds. And why should I marry you anyway? I mean, why do you want to marry me? Besides some bourgeois desire to fulfill an ideal that society embeds in us from an early age to promote a consumer capitalist agenda. Oh! Oh my God! You should have got on your knees. Just shut up. Here. I want to marry you because you're the first person that I want to look at when I wake up in the morning and the only one I want to kiss goodnight. Because the first time that I saw these hands, I couldn't imagine not being able to hold them. But mainly, when you love someone as much as I love you, getting married is the only thing left to do. So, will you? Marry um, Definitely. Maybe. I have to think about it. Walk me home. This is Ryan Reynolds, a little bit subdued. He's not Deadpool. He's not over-the-top, annoyingly sarcastic and annoyingly Ryan Reynolds. You guys know what I mean. But in this movie, he is telling his daughter about three women that he dated. One of them is her mom. This comes about because him and her mom are getting a divorce. So she wants to know a little bit about his love life. He won't tell her the real names of the three girls he's describing because he doesn't want her to know which one is her mom. But each love story is fantastic. And what it really is, is one love story that has a couple of love stories as side dishes on it. And it's so good. The relationship between Reynolds and his daughter in here and his relationship with the three women. It's just a great romantic comedy. It's probably my favorite romantic comedy of all time. At number seven, we go back to 1986. Michael Keaton, Gung Ho. Hey, I'll tell you something. You're making a big mistake. Why did you say that? Why do I say that? Let me tell you about the state championship game in Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. It's a championship game. We're down 16 points going into the fourth quarter. People got up and left. They weren't home, right? Those people just happened to have missed the greatest comeback in the history of that tournament. You got my point? Not at all. Look, if you walk out that door, you're going to miss a great comeback. We're ready to roll here, Jack. This will never be like a Japanese factory, Jack. Oh, yeah? You're right. You know what else? So what? You failed. In the 80s, Michael Keaton was a big comedy guy. He hadn't really quite gotten into drama, I think, until like Clean and Sober or something like that. But the movie Gung Ho, he is representing this town of Hadleyville that has a car plant that closes down. So he goes over to Japan, talks to the Japanese into coming over, Hassan Motors. They're going to build cars in Hadleyville. 
but it's classic Michael Keaton comedy, that, that sarcastic wit, and it's all kind of about how Americans and Japanese, and they clash right away, but if they learn how to work together, then they'll be an unstoppable force. It's a really fun movie, and it's a really funny movie, and it's an 80s movie, so I like it, and I'll touch on that at the end of this, kind of the, the eras of these films. At number six, I Love You More. How can you disagree with me on this? I mean, look, my... It's bad for the whole world. I don't... It, my lease is going to be up, and I think that it's... I'm, Are you talking I'm, about hybrid cars? Yes. Yes. I thought you were talking about hi hybrid animals. Hybrid animals? Yeah. The fuck is a hybrid animal? Took Andre the Giant a barrel of beer to get drunk, sometimes too. Hello, pretty lady. And about the warm-up peanut? <laughs> this is a movie, I don't know, I can watch it every single month. And it's something about maybe the two most charming men in Hollywood, that being Paul Rudd and Jason Segel. These two are just, on their own, they can charm the pants off of you. But put them together, I don't even know where your pants are. They've just completely evaporated and disappeared because these guys are fantastic. This movie's so much fun. Paul Rudd is getting married. He doesn't really have any guy friends. He's kind of trying to find guy friends so he can have a best man. He's got his brother, Robbie, who's played by Andy Samberg. Joe Latruglio makes an appearance in this. Jason Siegel ends up becoming kind of his best friend. And just the chemistry between the two of them, the comedy and the humor between the two of them, and the heart between the two of them, it's so good. And what's it all about? Relationships. Their relationship, his relationship with his fiance. Really great film. I enjoy I Love You, Man. It's going on the desert island with me. At number five, Hamilton. I'm gonna get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dad, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a holler just to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge, I'm a diamond in the rough. A shiny piece of coal trying to reach my goal. My power of speech, unimpeachable. Only 19, but my mind is older. These New York City streets get cold. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage. I've learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this fork into a flame. But damn, it's dead dogs. So let me spell out the name. I am the A-L-E-S-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be a colony that runs independently. Meanwhile, Britain keeps on us endlessly, essentially they tax us relentlessly and King George turns around, runs to spend his spree, he ain't ever gonna set his descendants free, so there will be a revolution in this century enter me, he says in parentheses don't be shocked when your history book mentions me, I will lay down my life if it sets us free eventually you'll see my ascendancy now there is some debate about whether or not this is actually a film because it was a videotaped performance uh, of a Broadway performance, but I'm calling it a film. It's my number five. Before this film came out, before Disney decided to release it, I had bought the CD, listened to every single song multiple times, memorized all the songs. I could picture the play in my head just from listening to the songs. So when Disney decided to release Hamilton, I was ecstatic. I couldn't wait to watch it. I cried my eyes out, loved it, and I watch it and I love it just as much, maybe more, every single time. If you listen to Recast, and you know how much I want to recast Leslie Odom Jr. in something. He is so good in this. He won a Tony Award for it. I think David Diggs won a Tony Award for it. Renee uh, Goolsbury, she won an, a, a, a Tony Award for it. It got a Tony Award for Best Play. It, it's You have to watch it. I, I don't care 
what you feel politically about it, because I know they, they like they criticized the president way back in the day or whatever. Who cares? As far as musicals, this is the greatest musical ever. And in terms of a play, I have never in my life seen a better play, and I've seen a bunch, than this here. I would go see this in person a hundred times and never get sick of it. So Hamilton is my number five favorite rewatchable film. Now we're getting into that top four. Some of you guys know my top four. I haven't really kept it a secret, but at number four, The Shawshank Redemption. Rumor has it you're a real cold fish. You think your shit smells sweeter than most. Is that right? What do you think? I'll tell you the truth. I made up my mind. <laughs> I understand you're a man that knows how to get things. I'm known to locate certain things from time to time. I wonder if you might get me a rock hammer. What? A rock hammer. What is it and why? What do you care? Well, if it was a toothbrush, I wouldn't ask questions. I'd just quote a price. But then a toothbrush is a non-lethal object, isn't it? This movie, I believe, is number one on the IMDb Top 100. I don't think it's ever been dethroned. I think it might be number one on Rotten Tomatoes. There is nothing not to like about The Shawshank Redemption. It is a remote drop movie. Whenever it's on, no matter where it is in the film, you have to watch it. And it's all about hope, right? It's all about this guy, Andy, played by Tim Robbins, who is accused of murdering his wife and her lover, who she was cheating on him with. And he goes to jail. He meets Red, who is played by Morgan Freeman. And this is where the Morgan Freeman voice came in. This was the first movie he narrated. And after this, they wanted him to narrate every movie ever made. So if you're wondering where it started, it started here at the Shawshank Redemption. And just a wonderful film about hope with an absolutely brilliant ending. It's written by Stephen King, believe it or not. So if you like the and it's directed by Frank Darabont. So if you liked the Green Mile, same team here. Stephen King, and Frank Darabont did the Green Mile. They did Shawshank Redemption. It's better than the Green Mile. At number three, a few good men. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. I love a courtroom drama. I mentioned it before. And I love Tom Cruise. Put those things together. What do you get? Peanut butter and jelly. My favorite sandwich. This movie has it all. Stars galore. Forget the top bill cast. Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Jack Nicholson, Kiefer Sutherland. 
Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in this, Noah Wiley's in this. It's J.T. Walsh, one of the greatest unknown actors of all time. If you don't know who J.T. Walsh is, he plays Lieutenant Colonel Markinson in this film. Brilliant. And everything he does is brilliant. But this movie is written by Aaron Sorkin, who might be the greatest dialogue writer in the history of Hollywood. No matter what he touches, the dialogue is fantastic. From this to the newsroom, I think he did the West Wing. He might have done the American President, which I don't know how that missed my list, because that's one of my favorites as well. But A Few Good Men, I've seen it over a hundred times. I have memorized much of the dialogue. I never get tired of A Few Good Men. I never will get tired of A Few Good Men. So it comes in at number three. At number two, The Princess Bride. I was 11 years old. When I was strong enough, I dedicated my life to the study of fencing. So the next time we meet, I will not fail. I will go up to the six-fingered man and say, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. This is everybody's list. This is or this is on everybody's list. And I haven't met anybody who dislikes the Princess Bride. In fact, if I did, I don't even know. I think I was in a parallel universe because everybody likes the Princess Bride. It has everything. It's fun. It's funny. It's got action. It's got adventure. It's got romance. It has everything, and you can watch it over and over and over again, and it might be the most quotable film of all time. Andre the Giant is fantastic in this, and he's not even a fantastic actor. There is nothing not to like about The Princess Bride. In fact, there have been two people in my life that I've met who I told that I loved this movie, and they said they'd never seen it. After watching it, they said it was in their top five after one watch. If you've never seen The Princess Bride, this is the movie you have to watch first of any other movie on this list, even more than my number one. Speaking of number one, Major League. There's not going to be much on it. My arm feels like jello right now. Just get it over the plate. I want him to swing. Last time I did that, the guy hit one that hasn't landed yet. Don't worry about it. I'll take care Number of it. 27, right fielder, Mike. Hi, right, Rexman. Rexman. Hell of a situation we got here. Two on, two out. You guys trailing by one in the ninth. You got a chance to be a hero on national television if you don't blow it. By the way, I saw your wife at the free lounge last night. Hell of a dancer. You must be very, very proud. That guy she was with? I mean, I'm sure he's a close personal friend and all, but tell me, what was he doing wearing her panties on his head? Swung on and popped up. Uh-oh, Rexy, I don't think this one's got the distance. Taylor under it. He's got it, and this ball game is over as the Indians hold out yeah. for a 3-2 victory. Starting to come together, Pepper. Starting to come together. Yeah. This movie came out in 1989. I was playing Little League. I loved baseball. I watched this film over and over and over again just for the baseball scenes because I loved baseball. And as I got older and more mature, I really appreciated the dialogue. I really appreciated the the comedy that's in it. It is a really funny movie. And what really drives this comedy, I think, is Bob Euchre as Harry Doyle. Just absolutely brilliant. Wesley Snipes, Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson. It's the Cleveland Indians. Their owner wants them to lose so that she can move the team to Miami. So they are losing because they're a bunch of no-names who don't know how to play the game. And then, of course, like in all these sports movies, it clicks at some point. They start to win. And the goal is to just shove it down her throat. So 
Major League is my all-time favorite movie. I know almost the entire film by heart. Just like in the movie The Book of Eli, where he rewrites the Bible from memory, I could rewrite the scripts to Major League from memory. And yet, despite knowing every single word, and despite knowing every single direction in the film, I will watch it a thousand more times, and I will enjoy it a thousand more times. This is my all-time favorite movie. I don't think it will ever be dethroned. It has never spent a week at number two. On the Wayne Gregoire list, or I should say the Wayne G list of favorite movies, this is the Shawshank Redemption on IMDb. It will never be dethroned. So that is my top 25 favorite movies of all time. I hope you guys understand now a little bit about where I'm coming from. You know a little bit about me, what I like, what I'm into. If you guys want to share your top 25 or your top five or you have any comments about my top 25, hit me up on social media. If you're not sure where to find me on social media, go all the way back to the beginning of the show and start to listen, and I guarantee you'll figure out where you can find me. But definitely let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if you like this episode or if you like, excuse me, you like us doing these types of bonus episodes. I like doing them for you. So give me a shout, but otherwise, that's all, folks. That's all, folks.